welcome to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in this space. Hey, Paul, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? Yeah, good, mate. It's uh, Friday the 15th of May, and we have the Build Conference in a few days, so... As usual, for people who have listened to the show for a while, any week before a major event can be a little bit stressful. But uh, I don't know. I think I'm used to it now. There, there are definitely a few PMs that this is their first time where they've been given like, this is your breakout session or this is your such and such. And with the added complexity of COVID and stay at home, it's definitely putting a lot of pressure on people. A little peek behind the curtain. I actually, I, I woke up this morning assuming you were going to just ship the, the episode on your own because of all the crazy going on. And then uh, you're texting me like, are you hopping on? So so kudos to you for getting this managed and, and rolled out. I mean, I'm just trying to keep normal work hours, basically, which obviously having a toddler is hard. Getting up is easy because you're forced to, but um, <laughs> I don't have a trouble like being motivated to jump in the office and start work. I think there's a lot of people like struggling with that aspect of it. I think it's just more with tod- said toddler being able to get in a focus mode of doing work without being just you know her coming in and wanting to chat or my time to look after her and and really like you have to give them dedicated time. I can't just like work and half listen to her it's either one or the other so it's certainly a challenge which i'm sure everyone listening is also feeling for sure how's how does it go in your neck of the woods are you well you know it's it's i only have one additional office mate and she's much more mature than your daughter (laughs) so it is a little you know so this really hasn't affected me so much but just talking with neighbors and folks and relatives who have school-aged children and trying to manage all that i I, my heart goes out to all of them I, i can't imagine What's what trying to get a job done with all that too? So, are, are you able to see your family, or are you kind of not yeah? Risking the, it the highest risk in our family is my son-in-law, who's a firefighter, but he's he's in on late duty oh, yeah. from an incident a year, almost a year ago now. So he's not in the firehouse, which means he's just like everybody else. So yeah, we get together and see the grandkids every. That's really good. Every so often, yeah, very fortunate. With the conference coming up, you you uh, have to navigate some uh, some messages here. So, what'd, what'd you find? <laughs> well, I, I guess it, because builders just changed so much, and the fact that everyone can benefit for it because it's free, it's coming in really hot, and they're trying new things. And so, I wanted to get Ben on primarily because he funds the show, and I figured we should let him on it, the show that he funds <laughs> in terms of uh, paying for someone to edit the audio down so that we don't have to, which is great. And I wanted him to explain, you know, like what all the things you should be looking out for in this space in M365, but also just give it a bit of an explanation about the the conference in general. Yeah, it's a really good interview that, um, that's over the, over the bump. So if you haven't registered, register.build.microsoft.com. And then you can get to the schedule build that we'll talk about in the show. So yeah, definitely, definitely hang on for the show. And just thank you for everyone for listening. Thank you for the feedback. And if there are definitely topics, I'm actually finding it easier to find guests right now because I think people want to talk. People want to talk to people. <laughs> and so you know, if you've got things you want to go hear about, let me know. I just managed to get uh, Nick Molnar, who launched Code Spaces, to come talk to us. So I'm kind of excited about like 
be able to get on and talk about new tech that's coming through from Build as well. So it's good. We have this new rule about maybe a single host with guests to make interviews easier, but I think I might want to break that rule with Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He's really good fun too. He, when he comes up, he comes up at the same time as Daryl comes up into town because they've known each other for a long time. And so we always end up catching up for a, a burger and a, well, I drink a beer. He, he doesn't, but uh, yeah, it's always just nice to catch up and speak to someone in another part of Microsoft to see how their worlds differ from our worlds. And they're totally different. Just operating environment is just really, really different to ours. But um, what news did you find this week from our camp? Talking about that. A couple of Microsoft-y things. One, well, the first one we'll touch on, I guess, is kind of in your in your world, is uh, there was a blog post about throttling limits on Outlook APIs happening in May. So it might have already happened if uh, at the time of that didn't go include. But uh, I guess this is just an ongoing if you're a developer hitting Microsoft Graph, pay attention because sometimes you get throttled and the, you should be aware of it. So it's a quick little couple paragraph post I found about that, that for, again, to remind folks, you should pay attention. Yeah. And and so Vincent, I think we mentioned him last week on the show too. So he's getting a lot of credit here, but uh, that's all good. We can share it around later. Is uh, He owns throttling. And so part of the thing when he came on was like, what can I do? Because he'd been on the outside listening to the MVPs and seeing partners, you know, raising concerns about being throttled. And I was like, well, we need to get ahead of this and, and work out what's going on. We've kind of changed our stance a bit on how much we document and putting limits in. And so one big thing that he added, like just literally last week on the throttling page in the Graph API docs was what the throttling limits are of creating subscriptions. Um, obviously, if you're subscribing to every list in every site of every site collection, Although apparently site collections are sites are not a thing anymore and it's just site collections. You know, that could potentially be a lot of renewals come the three days expiry. And so he kind of lists all that stuff in there. So if you haven't checked that stuff out, I'd highly recommend going back and revisiting that because he's constantly being barraged with like, I'll just add him to every part email I get when I see the word throttling. I almost need an auto rule in my outlook. So, you know, it, with the PMs that own these things need to feel the, you know, the pain the customers are feeling and try and find scalable ways to fix things. And in a lot of cases, it's just putting more information in the docs rather than replying to 20 individual partners. So that that's a good doc to go read. And then the other one is super exciting. And I know it's exciting for you because you're Mr. Identity on the show. <laughs> well, it's a small, it's a small competition. <laughs> <laughs> You could, do you want to explain it? Uh, sure. So uh, there, we have a link in here to a new GitHub repo slash NuGet package called Microsoft.identity.web. You know, this kind of ties back to when we had Kyle on, um, was it last show or a couple shows ago, Kyle Marsh from Identity Team, right? Yeah, last show. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some authentication libraries that you can use to get a token from Azure Active Directory. And there are different libraries that you can use to validate a token that you are given by Azure Active Directory. But the missing piece or the, the, the glue the two pieces together, if you can imagine I have a web application and I can use the ASP.NET built-in authorization authentication pieces to figure out you know, who's calling me and I know who you are and I can get a token and understand, oh, this, this request came from Paul and that request came from Jeremy. But then I need to turn around and make a call to Microsoft Graph, for example, and I want to use a delegated permission for the current user 
And so I can't just have a single instance of my graph service client because it has to be per request. And so this Microsoft.identity.web NuGet package helps bridge that gap and helps to use the new ASP.NET dependency injection. Well, not new, but the, the DI framework in .NET Core to cache the things and create singletons where necessary and also get scoped resources where necessary. And it really is helpful to, again, bridge that gap. I can update my startup.cs class and say, I want to use the, I can't remember what it's called, but I use this library and it helps build these things for us. And so now I, with a much fewer lines of code, I can use the the SDKs that are given to me by Microsoft for token acquisition and for token caching and token validation instead of writing stuff myself, which no one wants to do and no one at Microsoft wants us to do. So I, so I hope this explanation kind of fills the gap. And But this was a, a, this was a, a GitHub repo for a long time and there was a lot, there's a lot of code in there and it finally got rolled into a NuGet package, which last I looked was still a preview one, but I would assume that- It is preview. Yeah, that will transition soon enough. And obviously, you're welcome to pull the code yourself if you need it. But yeah. And this was cool because um, it was a project that we were doing for Ignite last year uh, around .NET Core and um, realizing that the solution identity we're providing was to kind of grab a, a file, which was a few hundred lines of code and put it into your project. And we kind of went back to the identity team, the PMs that own those SDKs. It was like, this doesn't seem right. Like, can we not bundle this thing up? We talked to the .NET core team themselves and then they went away and talked to the identity team it was like look this is probably the best way to tackle this and so it, it's really nice that again like by building a lot of these samples we build and especially the bigger ones where we open source them you know we have to build them as if they're production and in a lot of cases we outsource these to people you know externally to make sure that there is no bias there and you know the feedback they give us we take to the different PM teams to go get done so I'm really glad that that packages come out um and so yeah it is in preview but they're going to quickly put it into ga i think um to make sure people are using it which is really really cool and this is a great library that i recommend all developers if you're kicking around in net go to the repo either clone it or fork it or at least download it and look at what's going on here it it, it can be a black box but you're doing yourself a disservice if you just use it as a black box. Look and see what it's doing. I, the code, it, it's rather involved. I get that. And DI can be hard to decipher in your brain. <laughs> but it's certainly a good read to learn what's happening, what, what, what steps are happening, and what's going on so that you can be a better developer. So I'm glad to see this get finally released. I can see you on, with a pipe and slippers on a rocking chair with a surface in front of you finger scrolling through lines of code. In the, I don't know why I'm saying this. Oh, I've been through this code. <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think is more crazy, reviewing identity code or reviewing uh, specs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would rather be looking at code. Um, and then talking about identity, the um, Office 365 CLI, which um, I think the best way I explain it is community contributed PowerShell commandlets that bundle things into scenarios that are useful as a combination of things together, like a batch of things together, as opposed to like calling one API packaged. And I think that's like the direction they're going in. They also benefit because they can, they call multiple APIs, like the SharePoint REST API, as well as the graph. Um, so it kind of gets around some of the limitations where SharePoint hasn't got everything on the graph yet. 
Um, but they've introduced a new way of using your own Azure ID identity. Have you played with this or aware of that aspect of it? I haven't played with it, but I was kind of involved in some of the, the discussions that went around this. And the, the historically, if I use the Office 365 CLI, it has an application ID. And when you run it, you have to then consent. You're granting consent to that application, which is configured as multi-tenant. Right, so it's like multi-tenant, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's how PowerShell works as well. And the, we've seen this. It's not it's not a crazy yeah, idea. that's why how our one does. Yeah, but and, and Graph Explorer is the same thing, right? When I use Graph Explorer, I have to consent Graph Explorer to my directory. Well, for some people, that's not what they want to do. And so with a recent release now, instead of running the CLI and configuring and say, do the device code authentication with Paul and grant permission to their app, I can create an app registration in my tenant and provide a client ID and a, a tenant ID to the CLI. And it'll then connect using that client ID instead of the one that the multi-tenant one that they've created. And so it's it just it makes some people feel better knowing exactly what's going on here and who's using it. And obviously, if it's an app registered in my directory, I can grant access to it based on users and groups in my directory as well. So it, it, it's a much richer authentication experience. And I don't know if this release includes it or if it's going to be next, but they're working on supporting managed identity. So if you're running the CLI in the cloud on a VM or Azure app service or anything up in the cloud, it can then use managed identity instead of user credentials altogether. So yeah, that's really clever. That's cool. That uh, this becomes helpful in uh, CI/CD scenarios, really, because you can use the CLI to push things into app catalogs, or you could PowerShell as well. But mm-hmm. that's a case where maybe my my publishing pipeline can then connect with an ID that I have to connect to my SharePoint app catalog, and it just makes things much much cleaner, in my opinion. So I'm glad to see this move along. Yeah, that's cool. The the next one is from this kind of shady developer or something <laughs> Shafflin, Shafflin, Shafflin. Well, so yeah. it'll be less shady soon because I reached out to Kathy to get the the image assets from my blog that she designed about 18, 20 years ago so I can update <laughs> it. Won't be, it'll be less shady when I get time to clean up the blog site. But yeah, so um, Code Spaces, we hinted at this before and obviously we talked about it earlier, but oh man, it's sweet. It's sweet. It is very so, cool. A long story, but I ended up needing to, to run, I wanted to run a web part from Stefan Bauer. He, it's called Panthema, which will show all the theme colors on a SharePoint site. And it didn't work. And then, oh, there was an issue on how to solve it in, in the GitHub issue list. And obviously, Stefan's busy and it's not a real thing. So, oh, I could do that. But now I need to clone the environment, make sure it's set up. I've got my environment set up the way I like it. And so CodeSpace, hey, let's give this a shot. And so I was able to fire up a Visual Studio CodeSpace do a you know pull down his repo make the change do a submit a PR boom done cost me you know pennies to do the work so it's really really cool tech and was the reason because your environment you've got certain versions of node on your machine and bits and pieces or what was the main well that part of it and then but then um the yeah yes that was the short answer was yes I was afraid because that web part was over a year old and it was running I want to say version one point six or one point eight of SPFX framework and I have no idea what's going to happen if I pull that down and start monkeying with it because I'm writing production code on my machine it was one of those things I really didn't want to I don't I don't want to take the chance 
So since this, I, I would have, if, you know, if Codespaces wasn't there, I would have done it, but hey, why not? It's easy to try, right? So I did. And, and, and there was a couple things that tripped me up, but Google was my friend and I got through. So yeah, so I figured out that I can share that experience, but it's cool. And I, and I really, a lot of potential for, the, for that as well. And then also, um, this kind of ties into a future guest I'm trying to get down. I saw an online thing about using Blazor WebAssembly with .NET pre three preview issues and stuff which i don't have on my machine so hey why not so i found a code space image that has net 3 installed on it so i was able to do a quick little net web assembly sample boom using code spaces and so that's jeremy lickness you're gonna get on right or like is lickness right yeah yeah and so he has a blog yes. post around yeah. um you know ef core and cosmos db with blazer web assembly as well that um if you're not following jeremy um, he does some really good stuff in this space and I'm glad you reached out to him to get him on the show. So there, I think there's some really good stuff we can talk about with him around the Blazor Web Assembly stuff. It's super cool. I mean, it's very, very clever tech. Yeah, I, I, I wish they were dreaming up SPFX now and could use it. Yeah, of no joke. But yeah. they did. I, I mean, that's not a criticism in any way, shape or form, but yeah, it, yeah. that would have been so much nicer to port people into the cloud from from their legacy C-sharp skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's very, very true. Yeah, I do find myself always like, even building APIs for apps I'm building, I'll always kind of revert back to web API and .NET core now rather than kind of trying out Node or anything else like that. So it's what you know, right? It's what you're comfortable with. Yeah. How much time do you have to go find the NPM packages to do the things that you need to do? I mean, there's a lot more research, right, to make sure you're not walking into something that, like, in three days' time is going to work out that, oh, you've picked the wrong thing to go try and use. Yeah, or it's been replaced by this other thing, you know, or... It, <laughs> right, this yeah. this new cool thing that's coming out. Yeah, yeah, it's always the way. I mean, we have the same challenges when we're picking for getting started across the different languages as well, like... What should we be using with Python development with Graph, and what are the libraries we should be using, and what we shouldn't? And sometimes we've picked things that you know we've had long meetings and we've spoke to experts, and then we get trolled because the library we've used is not what they use. And so yeah, it's a it's a very hard sometimes to go out there and pick the right things. Yeah, and now instead of a sample, it's production code. So now we'll make that choice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, essentially, we stuff. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, and we treat our samples now as if they're, they're going to be taken into production. So that's it's really important we get that right for sure. And then one last one, and um, you know, Fluid is going to be making a lot of noise next week at Build for sure. Um, and Benedict Lehart, um, I think you found this one right, and it was just explaining yes. about Fluent and how they're making this system, the design system. And there's a nice video there you can watch. I'm guessing you use Fluent with what you do in your production stuff, right? Yes. Um, and so there is a the Fluent UI is the new version of Office UI Fabric. And so obviously that's included in SPFX. And and the goal is to, to marry that because Teams had their own UI and now SharePoint had their own UI. And as they get together... Obviously, it needs to unify. So that's all. That's all good. And so I found this. The couple things I, I, I put this in here, so I remember to talk about this as well. I've subscribed to the Fluent UI GitHub repo, and their pub, there's new releases going out. It seems like every day, multiples per day, and, and I can't keep up with what they're doing. It's it's going crazy. And so it was nice to get a non-technical. He's actually the director of design, so he talks about what their goals are and what, why they're doing all this change. And I just find that helpful to know. And obviously, he's got links into all the different resources that you can follow along and. So, yeah, good stuff to see. Yeah, that's cool. Well, look, um, thanks for grabbing those links and um, always good to chat, buddy. Um, and so next week, we've got a few people we want to talk to. 
But um, with Build Week, I think we're trying to get on the Floyd guys, right? First of all, though, so if this will come out on Monday, folks should tune in on Wednesday to see Jeremy and Nicola. Oh, yeah, that's true. Forgetting to plug my own stuff. Exactly. What time is that happening? 7 a.m. PDT. And it's Nicola Michilev and Beth Pan, uh, the devs that work on Microsoft Graph Toolkit. And we're building a, a really cool Teams application from scratch. Essentially, it's really common. It's in person. If you had 100 people in a meeting in a big like room and maybe you go off into workshop groups of like five or six, that's easier to do in person because you can just kind of, okay, I'll go with you and people sitting next to me and go away. But online, it's a bit harder to do. And so we've built an app that basically uses the graph to go look who's in the meeting and then create groups and the moderator can pick like maximum size of the group. And then it goes off and spins up teams and channels for each of those groups and meeting online meetings that each individual group joins. And then when they can reconvene as a larger group, there's like a whole Q&A moderation thing with the ability of the bot to mark the question as answered and like put things like the timestamp of when it was answered in the meeting recording. So it was a really fun project to work on. Um, Again, that that kind of brought up a bunch of things where like, oh, we need to go speak to the PMs because this scenario can't be unlocked. And so it's been really good to build out these scenarios, like real world ones. We're building it from scratch. We've got a bunch of guests coming on, like Isabella Lubin, who is the PM for Microsoft Teams, which is going to talk through their new Visual Studio Code extension, um, which is really, really cool. And I love where they're going with that. And we've also got Connelly Yina coming on at the end to talk a little bit about what like her most exciting announcements are for Build and what she's doing these days. Um, and Daryl Miller's coming on. and um, So it should be really, really fun. Basically, it's two hours, 45 minutes. And it's on Twitch. It will be recorded and we're going to probably break it down into more like sections of the three hours, two hours, 45 minutes. But um, yeah, I'd love to see you all there. We're hoping for a big crowd. Um, it's a Twitch, so it's an easy kind of platform to consume. And I've gone into it recently because I'm playing a lot of Call of Duty with my friends online. And from laughing at the fact that Twitch got bought by Amazon as long ago as it did and being like, who the hell would sit here and watch people play computer games rather than playing them? I've actually been watching Twitch both to see other people play Call of Duty to learn from them, but also... Um, going and watching um, people like James Montemagno in Xamarin just every he does like an hour every week where he just codes and talks and shoots the bleep um, about what he's doing and it's just it's fun it's a really good way of watching people code and learning from them so I'm hoping to stand on the shoulders of giants and borrow a bunch of techniques that they're using and talk about M365 for a few hours so it should be fun is that a one way channel or can we heckle I mean ask questions (laughs) You can you can heckle all you like, Paul. Uh, I, I can I have the power to block you from the Microsoft Developer Twitch channel. Um, it it is is chat, so it's not audio. Um, but we are not for this show, but in future ones we're going to do because I think we're going to do this on a regular basis. We're going to have a, a Skype call that you can join, and then you'll be able to kind of be part of the show. You can be a guest on the show, and that's how we're bringing in like Yina and Daryl and Isabella and so forth. And so I definitely check that out. So are you carving out time then to do Q&A or is it what you catch questions as we go through? We've got yeah. uh, moderators in the backgrounds as we're going through it to get questions and answer them as we go through. Yeah. So it should be it should be a lot of fun. We're, we're hoping things go wrong in the sense that we want to be able to explain how to 
recover from things going wrong. I think a lot of devs learn from that. So I'm very open to the fact that I don't code full time, but, um, you know, obviously Nicola and Beth do, but it's been a good, good experience. Like I've got my side apps that I do for the Apple store with Sift and stuff, but yeah, it should be really, really good fun. I'm enjoying it. I'm going to look forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it and uh, certainly uh, look forward. And I, I'll be looking even just to see what questions get asked and answered because sometimes someone else's question can trigger something. So it's certainly... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's good blog f- blog fodder. Yeah, it feels almost a bit like a dev kitchen type of thing where you're doing, you know, showing some code and right. then there's a bunch of devs in the room and... God knows where the conversation will go. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. And we're using some new APIs that are just coming out too. So yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. I'm excited. So, so, and, I, and I'm not sure then back to our original point that there may not be a, a podcast episode next week. I guess it depends if we can find the fluid guys in their busy schedule, but we're, we've got a couple lined up and we'll be back after build with uh, good stuff. So. Yeah. Super pumped. Awesome. Well, everyone look, stay safe and good to catch up. And um, again, if you've got any feedback for the show, definitely let us know on Twitter and we'll, uh, we'll hunt them down and get them on the show. Yeah, that's right. You see something cool at, at Build you want to learn more about, well, it's definitely fun. Yeah, them. totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, buddy. Hi, Ben. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Jeremy. Uh, thank you for uh, joining me today. I know it's probably not the most ideal time with Build being literally next week, but I figured it'd be great to get you on the show to, to kind of give people a primer on how they can make the most of the online event next week from a Microsoft 365 Villa perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Who is Ben Summers and what do you do at Microsoft is probably the first thing people want to know. Yeah, well, I've done a lot of things at Microsoft, actually. But right now, the answer is I am uh, in the developer marketing group. So actually, I I think I probably hold something similar to your old job. Uh, But yeah, I'm the guy that works uh, with all the different stakeholders across Graph to try to do a lot of the storytelling and just a lot of the communications uh, and just making sure that Graph really gets out there and is a great story uh, that we can tell uh, to the developer community. Yeah, I mean, we, we spend a lot of time together during the week, especially with the ramp, ramp ups around builds and ignites. But I think even outside of those, we're doing a lot together. But it's been fun working with you and seeing like different perspectives, a different lens because of your background to what my lens is or what Yina's lens is on kind of M365 and stuff. So it adds a, adds, adds a good benefit to it. No, no, it's great. And it's, uh, it is true. We do wind up working uh, together an awful lot. But it's been super fun. I mean, you definitely hold some claims to fame in terms of your case studies for uh, partners that have told stories on stage. Um, There's a few really nice ones landing for next week that we should be looking out for in keynotes, right? We have a good one uh, coming up. Uh, we've been working with a partner called Magix and uh, and doing a story about the San Francisco Conservatory of Music because uh, they've built a great integration with the Microsoft Graph product. And, you know, with all this COVID stuff going on and all the remote learning uh, possibilities, it's really created an interesting case study. And I think one, too, that's, you know, deeply personal to me because, as, as you know, like I have a background in, in classical music. Uh, I went to conservatory myself back in the day. So uh, when the opportunity to tell this story came up, it was it was pretty cool. And and this story in particular seems to have really resonated. It's going to be in Satya's keynote. Uh, it's going to be the lead PR story that we're doing for M365 this year. So you'll see it in publications and stuff like that. So it, it's one that's really landed nicely. And I think not only are the musicians compelling, but the guys that built the software, they're super passionate about Graph. They love talking about what they've done with Microsoft. And uh, that enthusiasm comes through in a really great way. So it is a great story to tell. 
Yeah, I, I love seeing like real world scenarios. And I think the more of those we have, the better it is for people to understand the tech. Because often we can kind of be on stage showing a, here's how you do X in Y, but without the compelling stories of how our customers are doing it. So I love the fact that your team's kind of going out there and finding those and you know, getting airtime on stage in such as keynote is awesome to showcase that. So congrats. That's it's really cool. Yeah, no, that is great. Thank you. And, and I think, you know, this is the second year that we've had a big graph story uh, pop up in Satya's keynote. Uh, and really, I think that's helped put things uh, front and center, especially at build where we want developers to really be able to sort of see how this can be, be used every day. There, there is an element of magic in being, there in person in that huge room when they're kind of the you know the the room's dark and there's the the cheesy music that microsoft have picked to kind of be playing until you know such gets up there and obviously a, a lot of nerves with anyone that's doing demos and making sure it's going to work and i think this year with the, uh, and you know for the foreseeable future i guess with it being virtual, it's going to be really interesting to see how that dynamic is different from a, you know, an engineering perspective, from you're in marketing, um, you know, there's different roles of things that you'll be looking at versus what I'd be looking at for sure. And I've noticed that in being in both roles. Um, but as an attendee, if I like roll back the clock to where I went to big conferences like SharePoint conference, uh, you know, like there is a magic of being an attendee and like seeing people that you haven't seen in a while and traveling. And so I'm going to ask people who are listening just to really engage with us on Twitter and, and other social channels uh, to try and bring that kind of community element back, uh, even though we're all going to be kind of sitting in our pajamas in the comfort of our own homes watching these uh, these streams as they go live on Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, no, it's it's really interesting. And, and the SFCM story actually kind of brought that together in a funny way because we started preparing it before all this quarantine and social distancing started. And then all of a sudden we had to sort of immediately sort of sort of pivot to thinking about new ways to engage with people. And this event is, it's very similar, right? You know, musicians are used to playing together. We're used to coming together in Seattle, going to the Washington State Convention Center, uh, you know, and having all that sort of, I, I guess you'd call it serendipitous communication with one another, where not only did we go to sessions, uh, but we, you know, we met for after parties and we went, uh, you, you, we went to the hub and we had meetings and customers came up to us. And it was a great way to really connect with us at Microsoft and for us to connect with the customer base. So we're going to learn, I think, a lot about how we're doing that right. And in some cases, perhaps wrong by doing this build as a virtual event. So, you know, I think there's a definite need for people to keep a very open mind, but also to, you know, make that effort to engage with us. I think for most people that have attended Build, the thing that they'll tell you is that as important as it is to understand the content uh, that we deliver, you know, making those connections to the folks at Microsoft and to the other people that they meet there is really perhaps the highest value activity that they get done uh, at an event like this. Yeah. And I think the fact that there is no restriction on having to travel and I've definitely traveled less now. I've got a, a toddler on my hands and want, not wanting to miss anything. Um, I, I traveled literally twice last year, which is, you know, definitely a rollback for me from time gone by. Um, but having that non-restriction on travel means that, you know, the attendance is going to be a lot higher. Um, and I think it will be different audiences that we're going to see that we haven't seen before engaging with us. So I'm, I'm actually really excited to get 
um, a more diverse audience that we get to talk to and get feedback from, which is great. The platform that we're using for these sessions, it's a mixture, actually. It's a lot of Teams calls and there's a lot of Teams live events um, being done for the bigger sessions where there's moderators that will be kind of looking at those questions coming through and engaging and answering those questions. What, what's your take on that? Like, how have you seen that balance of like what, what topics go where based on the different types of sessions that are in and maybe go into a bit more detail about what those different types of sessions are? So, I mean, I think there's probably a couple different things to understand. First and foremost, people should probably make sure that they're putting the keynote on their calendars because that's going to sort of set the stage for what the important focus areas are going to be that we then sort of dive deeper into uh, through the rest of the event. So for those of you that that are listening, the keynote starts at 11 a.m. That's Pacific uh, time on Tuesday morning, May the 19th. And we actually do a rebroadcast of that overnight uh, to reach the other time zones. So if you're up at 1 a.m. in Seattle, you can listen to it again. But I think that also means that it's at 10 a.m. in Munich or continental Europe, and I can't do the math going the other direction, just not used to it. But the point is, is that uh, we do uh, try to make sure that we're communicating uh, globally at this event. And one of the things that's actually kind of cool is that not only are we able to sort of reach an audience that we don't necessarily reach uh, because it's open as it is, but we're also able to sort of deliver across time zones. Uh, So if you go to the Build homepage, you'll see things like, hey, we have community events in different languages uh, for different areas. And I think that is actually a pretty nice thing and a unique thing that we can't do uh, when we have it just in Seattle, where honestly, we're delivering everything in English and we're delivering everything on a fixed time schedule. Uh, So I'm really hoping that that's something that adds a new dimension for people who uh, can access the event in a way in a local language that perhaps they couldn't before. So that's a that that's something I'm actually really interested to see you know see how that how that how that comes out. There were a few directions Microsoft could have gone with this event. We could have gone scale back and said, look, you know, let's try and just do key things and not kind of go out and try and tackle big, big, challenging areas of uh, online events. But I think the way that this has been tackled by the core event team is, you know, what would be the most perfect event that we could run um, and make that happen? And, and, you know, there's so much content and so many different formats that um, have been done on this that I'm really excited to see how it all pans out. And just being in some of these calls where there's like 250 people in briefings on Here's, here's what we're doing and here's how you're going to run your sessions or it just shows you the scale of what this event is, uh, especially with the short time frame we've had to kind of change it from being an in-person event to being a, a virtual one for sure. Yeah, no, it's a massive pivot. And I think that, you know, for the rest of the event, once you get past Keynote, uh, there are going to be a couple sort of key ways to engage. So the first thing is we have these, I guess they call them digital breakout sessions. So when you go and start building your schedule in the in the, in the event portal, you'll see that you can filter on those. Uh, those are live sessions. We're actually going to have people delivering them live across three different time zones. So you'll see that there are, as it were, three listings for each one of those live sessions, uh, one corresponding to the APAC time zone, one for the Americas, and then the other for uh, Europe, EMEA, and Africa. You should note, though, if you are a Dapper fan, uh, there's only one of those sessions. They're not repeating that session across time zones, and I suspect it's because there may not be a lot of guys that can go in and give a great Dapper session, and you can't just ask one guy to do 24 hours of work there. The other thing, though, is that those sessions are moderated, so it's a great point to engage 
So people that are experienced PMs or experienced marketers like myself will also be on those calls, in many cases, handling questions, asking for clarifications, and making sure that they get directed to the session speaker. Uh, it's a nice way to make sure that you are connecting uh, into the event. And you know, even compared to, say, a standard breakout, it's maybe a little bit more open than it would be if you were at, say, a live event in person where it tends to be one microphone in a room and people feel bad about coming up at the end and the session runs late. So it's a good way for us to think about engaging there. And then uh, in addition to the live sessions, there are these pre-recorded skilling sessions. Now, as people can imagine, those are all being delivered by PMs who are in the process of wrapping up and polishing and putting the final touches on them now, really. And they're being uploaded into the tools. And so over the next couple of days, if you're building your session, you'll start to see those things appear in as well. So don't just build your whole session uh, schedule today. Watch over the next few days. You'll see more and more sessions come online for Microsoft 365 and for Graph, uh, and you can add those. Either manage it through the portal that you've got, uh, you know, through the tools, or if you have an Outlook client on your desktop, you can download an ICS and you can manage your calendar that way. And it will be, I think, uh, the most intuitive, easiest way for you to make sure that you're attending the sessions that are interesting to you. Yeah. So, the, so the, like the register.build.microsoft.com and then when you sign in there, it will take you to mybuild.microsoft.com and you can click on the session builder. And from there, you can see them all. The, I think the trick, and it is a little bit buried, is you, there's a refine results button in the, the top of the grid. And you can select the topic of cloud development dash Microsoft 365. Um, I, it's kind of interesting. We still have to say cloud development and not just put Microsoft 365. But Yeah, it's imperfect, okay. but we're getting there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when we add to the schedule, um, you can go to the My Schedule at the top. And the, the trick is, is that there's a little calendar icon that allows you to download the ICS for each individual event. I'm sure someone's going to be very clever and add a browser plugin that they're going to share within the next few days. It'll just suck all those ICSs up and merge them into one and add it as your calendar in one big hit. But yeah, for if you, if you don't see that by the community, then you just got to click on download them all and add them to your calendar in Outlook Desktop or um, in OWA. Yeah. I, I think the other thing that I would probably encourage people to explore. It's certainly something that I'm going to explore over the next couple of days is all that other content. So there's interstitial content, there's community content. So there's everything from like, you know, art shows to yoga to partner expos to these different things that we're featuring across the event in sort of the, the downtime, you know, the time that maybe at a physical event, you'd be spending walking through the hallways or, you know, going from session to session. There are these gaps in the schedule and they give you an, uh, an opportunity to either discover a little bit more about your community or go sort of into an informal technical session or to hear about what a partner has built using our tech. And I think we don't quite know how those are going to work and how engagement is going to feel. Uh, so the ask is really going to be, tr you, know, you know, try it and see what happens and give us feedback because, you know, I think the reality is uh, that these virtual events are going to be what we do for a little while, but I think they're also going to become kind of standard. It's going to be an option for us in the future, and we want to make sure that they're good. And, you know, we've seen other people cancel their events. I think everybody wants to figure out how to get it right. Uh, for us, I think this is a great opportunity to uh, make sure that we're learning about how all this might really work as a 
you know, as, as a way of presenting information going forward. Yes, listen to the M365 content, but also try to make sure that you're experiencing the event itself uh, and giving us feedback on that because we really want to get it right and we're going to make a big effort and we already have made a big effort to do that. So please let us know. And this stuff will all be available on demand afterwards on YouTube as well, right? So if, for instance, something comes up or they can't make it for other commitments, that this can be consumed outside of that 48-hour period. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And even during the 48-hour period, you know, depending upon... Uh, how you're following the event, do make sure that you're, you know, sticking with us on Twitter. So our Microsoft 365 developer uh, Twitter channel is going to be the place where we are, uh, you know, announcing what's going on. We'll be tweeting about key sessions. Uh, We will be monitoring that to make sure that if you do have questions or anything comes up that we can try to get back to you. So it is going to be a place where throughout the course of the event, uh, that'll be home base for for my team. It'll be home base for the information we're presenting uh, for the PM teams. And uh, just generally a place where you can also interact with, you know, RMVPs and other community members that are that are pretty active there. If you were to say one session based on the fact you've worked with many of the speakers across the different things, what one session would you say is a cannot miss for assuming the audience here is kind of plugged into the podcast and has a lot of these people speaking different things? Well, you know, if you're going to put me on the spot, I will talk about the one session that we haven't actually mentioned, which is that you are going to be doing uh, a session on Twitch. No, now you're just trying to kiss up to the present the speaker. No, this is actually a very important point because one thing that you guys will probably not, uh, uh, that, that, that most people in the audience will not actually know is that we're going to be doing these live coding sessions on Twitch. And it's not going to be something that you're going to see a lot of through the official build website, but it's going to be a cool thing. So it's going to be you and a bunch of the other PMs that I know pretty well getting up and doing a really live interactive like workshop for people. And I think that of all the things that I'm fascinated to see how they come out, that's probably the thing that I'm most interested to see. Like, what is that truly interactive, you know, experience going to be like on a on, on effectively like a, a gaming platform, but nevertheless, a, a truly live at scale interactive experience. So I would say that if I was going to go check anything out, I'm going to make sure I try to get to that as an experience that is just, you know, different and newer uh, than a lot of the other stuff that we do. Huh, thank you. I've, I've been watching a bunch of people that do this regularly. Like there's a lot of people that are on the cadence of um, like weekly. And the, if you're not aware, the twitch.tv slash Microsoft developer is the URL. That's right. Has a whole host of people that, you know, I follow them on Twitter. Or I've read their books when books were cool. Um, you know, I see them speaking keynotes and wasn't actually aware that they were presenting on these things. And, and there's different styles that you can do it in. We're taking the style of building something from scratch. And quite honestly, like we are hoping things go wrong so that you can see us troubleshooting the things going wrong and explaining all the like tricks and tools and stuff you can do to really troubleshoot things Um, we're we're not trying to have this as a very totally polished aspect of it we do have a schedule we're keeping to for the three hours to do it and Nicola and Beth Pan um, in the Microsoft Graph Toolkit team uh, we've been building this out over the last few weeks and we're going to have a bunch of guests on there like Yina Arenas and Daryl Miller and Isabel Lubin who we haven't had on the podcast yet but is uh, a lead in the Microsoft Graph extensibility platform team Um, and so it'll be a lot of fun it's going to be a lot a lot of fun so yeah so if you do get time it's 7am 
PDT, Seattle time. Um, so it will work for Europe. It's 2, 2 p.m. GMT. Um, and just go to the Twitch channel for Microsoft Developer and um, you'll be able to just jump on. But there's a, I, we've been on courses all this week with like Jeff Fritz and James Montemagno, the Xamarin dude that I love. He's just awesome fun to watch. So I'm borrowing a lot of techniques, but it also feels a bit like a TV show. So, you know, there's a lot of Saturday Night Live influence I'm taking and uh, all those those guys are going to be um, borrowing techniques from to make this work. Yeah, no, I think that's that's part of what's really interesting about this this whole virtual event is the fact that you know we have to think of it uh, and the entertainment value of it a little bit differently and I know that everything that I've seen from keynote preparation to uh, session preparation to you know how we're presenting this on social media et cetera et cetera really it has a different flavor that we have to think about and and it means that we engage differently with with the community so again I I think that that sort of that idea of that that real-time collaboration on a project uh, that's interactive with the audience is something that should be uh, super fun to watch. And and I can only hope that I stay up for the whole thing because I will be up all night, I think the night before, doing uh, doing session moderation. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what I'm going <laughs> to, whether I'm going to be super <laughs> Powered lucid. Powered by a, yeah. <laughs> a Red Bull at that point. For me, I think the, the biggest one would be um, the What's New session uh, for Microsoft Graph. Um, we have uh, Elise Yang and uh, Vincent Beret from the Graph Core team that are presenting that, and it's been great to see them go through the process as someone who's done this at a variety of different builds and ignites. The announcements are really cool. There are some things that SharePoint people are going to kind of clap about, and obviously we're not going to get that kind of engagement, so we're really wanting people to kind of tweet the sessions as they're watching them uh that one will be available on youtube that's an on-demand one it's not going to be a live live one um so definitely check out the microsoft 365 developer youtube channel where those will be posted um i'm assuming they're going to be in the session builder at some point as an earmark there that you could be able to find them but um that that one for me is always the most favorite one for because it's just a good shotgun approach to finding out everything that's new inside of uh, in microsoft graph yeah, and I've watched the rehearsals, and that that is going to be a really a really solid session as well. So that's that's a that's a good second favorite. But uh, I still stand by my choice. <laughs> well, I appreciate the the shameless plug for my show, so, or the M three six five show. Who knows what's going to happen to it if it works at build? You could be uh, seeing a lot more of us on the Twitch channel. That's right. How how can we keep in touch with you during build? What what's your engagement? Obviously, you're going to be moderating a bunch of these channels, but um, are there other channels that you're going to be kind of keeping an eye on as you go through this? The primary channel that I'll be watching is the Twitter handle. Uh, you know, my team manages the uh, the, the Microsoft 365 developer uh, Twitter presence. While I don't, I don't want to spread myself too thin because I'm going to have a lot of other things that I have to manage and sort of watch throughout the event. So for me, that's the place that I go to as as home base. And so. Anybody else that has that question, because it's not just going to be me watching that. It's going to be other folks that can help with logistical questions, et cetera, et cetera. That's, I think, where I'd like everybody to, uh, you, you know, to, to congregate if, if, if they need to ask questions or have any help or just want information. That's cool. And I'm going to sneak uh, an announcement out just because it's already out and it's very obvious that it's out. I, I really want to give a shout out to our Nairobi team for it. Um, over the last year, basically, we've we've re-architected and rebuilt Graph Explorer. 
the team in Nairobi um, who we work with on a day-to-day basis and it's been just awesome when they came visited us in Redmond um, we've shipped it as GA today so we're recording on the 14th um, so it'll, it the existing Graph Explorer we called it classic uh, or version three, and now we're on to version four, which is you know all re- rewritten in React and has some really cool new features where you can like put in a URL and get the code snippet in all the various different SDK languages or see the exact permissions you require and click and consent those permissions directly in the UI. Um, it's a it's just an extremely awesome learning tool for us with Graph. So I just want to say congrats to the Nairobi team because um, we did it in preview at Ignite and we had some hedges of how many people would use the preview versus the full production one. And um, I think 45% of our traffic for Graph Explorer comes through the preview tool. So, and we get lots, like hundreds of thousands of visitors to that thing. So the fact that everyone switched over, well not everyone, but 45% is a lot for a preview, um, is just really inspiring. And um, just congrats to the Nairobi team for that. So for me, um, it's the most exciting part about the announcements next week. And we've kind of pushed it live a bit early just to make sure it's better than nice before everyone starts hammering it live during build. Yeah, totally agree. It looks great. Well, look, Ben, thank you so much. I know you've got to jump off. There's all sorts of other stuff that's on fire with three or four working days to go before the event. But um, I thought that was a really good way of kind of getting people a good guide of what to do at Build next week. So thank you. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, buddy. See you, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at M365DevPodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks.